We're glad all you guys are here, and we want you to open up your hearts to God's Word. And I pray that you would open to the book of Psalm. In fact, if you turn to Psalms chapter 16, is where we're going to be spending our time this morning. Uh, we are doing something unique and new today. You wouldn't know it. Uh, it has no impact on you. But we've been working for a while because we wanted to be able to reach an audience we're not reaching. And so today, for the first time, we are going live uh, on the internet. We're streaming this service. It's on a YouTube channel, Hope Church Charlotte. Next week, it'll actually be on our website. And it all began because one of our, our founding members that uh, I love dearly because of just age and physicality is having struggle even getting here. And I'm thinking, how many more people can't be here? Well, let's take the word of God to them. Amen. And so we're, we're engaging in that today. Again, it has no change for you guys. It does kind of freak me out. So I'm just saying. So today we're going to start in a new series just to kick it off. And it's a series called uh, Presence. And I want to share some things out of God's word that came out of our time of praying and fasting on the last, uh, as we started this year. So in Psalm 16, uh, verse 11, David makes this statement, and I've always, uh, I've always loved the picture, the imagery of, of the Psalms, but in Psalm 16, verse 11, he says this, he says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. How many besides me think that sounds really, really good, amen? He said, in your presence, God, there, there is fullness of joy. There, there is a, there's an, it's a clear path of life that I can see, God, when I'm in your presence. And there are pleasures, God, that we will experience eternally because of your love for us. And when I look at that scripture and I think about it, it takes me back to something that took place during our 21 days or more we, when we started this year praying and seeking God and fasting. And, and can I tell you, God answers prayer. Do you believe that? What we heard just a moment ago, that was some of the things we've been praying about, just more bridges. But one thing God spoke into my heart, and it kind of shook me. I've always believed that the church of Jesus Christ is, is a representation of who God is. I've always believed that, that we are people that are so blessed with, with God's Holy Spirit in us, working through us. And I, and I felt like, you know, that we, we were kind of doing that well, and, and God spoke into my heart. And he said, my God, I want hope to be a people and a place of my presence. And I, I kind of paused at that. I'm like, God, I don't, I don't know what that means. I think I do, but I'm not sure, God, but you put it on me, so Lord, let me, let me begin to seek you in that. Let me begin to research the scripture, and let me walk in that, and out of that comes this teaching we're beginning today that we're going to be in over the next several weeks of what does it mean to live in God's presence? What does it mean to actively engage our faith and walk with a conscious presence of God, not just on Sundays when the songs are right and the air conditioner's right, but every day when we're walking in, in, the, in the reality of our lives, ministering, loving people, and walking through the challenges this life brings. You see, I think that the thought of God's presence, if we are not careful, becomes a, a spiritual white noise to the Christian culture. We, we use a lot of terminology. We, we, we speak of things that become so common to us that we never take time to contemplate them. We never take time to go, how is that working, God? Is that, is that a reality in our lives? Because the God's presence, the concept of it, so often I, I find in church and I find in Christian circles, we speak of God's presence more as of a feeling than it is of a true presence of God. Oh, man, was God's presence real in that service today? When, when, when they sang that song, man, I, I felt God. That, that's what we say. In reality, it may be the soprano hit the right note that day, and it was like, whoa, one of those moments. Or it could be we're engaging God's presence. 
And I want us to understand that because I think in our culture today, we've somehow missed this opportunity and understanding that God is with us always, not only because he's omnipotent, but he's with us always and wants to manifest himself through us, not just on Sundays. We don't come here to be in God's presence. I hope you know that. We bring God's presence here when we come. But the Bible does say when we worship him, we enthrone him in our praises and grace and mercy flows to us. It's important for us today to recognize who, what, what really does God's presence mean to us and how do we engage it? I mean, think about it. How do we experience his presence? For some, if you listen to them, it's a mystical thing. Only for a few. Oh, wow, they, they're, they're really walking in his presence. And, and, and we see people like, wow, I wonder what they do. And we think of it as almost being this hide and seek from God that God is saying only wants these to know and those other there not to know. We, we think of it sometimes as only a feeling that's reserved for those who are musical or, or those that are emotional. And there's this emotional charge during our worship service. But can I tell you, God's presence is so much more than a feeling. It's so much more than an experience. It is absolutely God's gift to his people. It has been from the beginning and it will be until the end that we would live and know God's presence where there is fullness of joy. So why is it important? Why do we enter into the teaching like this? I share with the last service, honestly, I, I usually don't feel this way. I, I'm a pretty confident guy, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm literally just almost shaking in my study in this because it's such a broad, amazing thought that God's presence not only dwells in us, but he wants to show his presence through us to a lost and cynical world that needs our Lord. Amen. And so I hope you'll enter in with me in these weeks. I hope you will engage in this in study and in prayer. But why is it important for us to even understand God's presence? Go, go back with me in the, in the Bible, just a, a story that many are familiar about. I'll, I'll tell kind of the story for those that are not. But God had created a people that would be a people of presence and a place for God to reveal himself. The children of Israel, he had brought them out of Egypt and he was revealing again his love, his power, his nature, his goodness, all these things we seek to them. And he brought them to a place called Mount Sinai. And there, Moses, who was their leader, was going to go meet God. Because in the concept there, God was so awesome and so amazingly powerful, the children of Israel said, Moses, you go on ahead. <laughs> you go spend time with God, we'll just hang back here. Because God appeared in his power. And Moses goes into this place where he's seeking God. There the Ten Commandments came. But while he was doing that, the children of Israel did what we do. When God doesn't immediately answer our requests or when God doesn't immediately answer what we're seeking, we go out and try to make it happen in our own strength. And so they were frustrated. He's gone. Maybe he died up there. We're not sure where God is. Maybe this whole thing was a hoax. And so what do they do? They go out and create for themselves an idol that they can see, touch, and feel and say, we will worship this idol. They made this golden calf and began to worship it. Now, something's really messed up. I raised cattle growing up. A calf is nothing to worship, all right? But they were doing that. And, and then Moses comes down from the mountain and God's anger shows. Moses stood there and pleaded for his people. As, as a good shepherd does. And God made a statement that day that is so critical for us, I believe. He made a statement. He said, Moses, I am a God that keeps his promise. I promised a land. I promised a place. Listen, it's there. But he said something to Moses that shook him. He said, listen, you go, but I'm not going with you. And hear the dialogue that Moses brought when he spoke to God about this. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 15, Moses said to him, speaking to God, if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. For how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? Listen, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of this earth? 
What was he saying? He's saying, God, your presence is what marks us. Your presence is what makes the differentiation in our lives and the lives of those that are far, far from God. And if we wonder why God would speak to us and say, I want you to be a people of my presence, a place in my presence, it would be that, that God would work in us in such a way that it would show others his love and his greatness. So we look at this and we say, God's presence, this gift from the beginning, his desire that we'd experience his joy, his clear path of life, the pleasures of eternity, he said, this is what marks us and separates us from the rest of the world. Think about it. Every day we walk as believers with the knowledge and experience of the love of God. Every day we walk with the understanding that wherever we go, no matter what the circumstances are, our God is with us. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why, why is it then that if we understand that and that should bring hope to us and those that are far from us, why is it then that many walk as if God's not there at all? On Sunday, I'm after him, but the rest of the week, I don't even know where God is. I think it's because we don't understand his presence and we don't understand how we enter and how we walk in it day by day by day. Let me just take you back. Today's the introduction. I'm trying to just lay the platform out so we can build it on the next few weeks. But, but understand this, God's presence was his original gift to creation. God's presence was his original purpose in creation. Think about it. In Genesis 3, the Bible says when he created the heavens and the earth and all that's around us and all of his beauty, he created man. And in the garden, he walked with man. He walked with Adam and Eve. It said he walked with them in the cool of the evening. In other words, he was walking with them in an aspect of presence. They were experiencing God moment by moment. Second by second, there was this joy. They weren't worried about circumstances. There was this clear understanding of life. Be fruitful, multiply, tend this garden, expand this garden, let it cover all the earth. Why? Because God's presence was his desire for his creation. That we would know him. That we would experience him. That we would recognize him. And we'd live a life literally walking in his presence. And we see this creative desire that all of creation, even now, would be immersed in the presence of God. You see it in the beginning, and you see it ultimately in the end. John, the revelator, said in, in Revelation 21, he was speaking of heaven. He gave this imagery that, that we need to understand and hear. He said this about heaven in Revelation 21. He said, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Come on, church. Heaven's going to be an amazing thing, right? But, but so often, we, we have these images of heaven like, oh, I remember growing up in the, in the church, at little, at little church outside of Houston, Texas, and every Sunday, we would hear that song, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. I mean, it was, that, it was that concept, I'm going to have a better house in heaven. That's what it was saying. I'm, I'm moving on up. I mean, come on, we, we're going to get there, right? But that wasn't what heaven's about. It's not about gold streets and pearly gates and, air, and cherubs floating around singing. No, heaven is this. Heaven is now. From the first time since the Garden of Eden, we will have unrestricted fellowship with the presence of our God. We will know him as he is known. We will experience a love like we've never experienced before. Can, let me help you something, guys. We're not going to heaven to be a choir to worship God for eternity. He has angels that exalt him even now. We are his children who will come home to a place of his presence to never be broken out of it again and never be affected by the sin that so greatly impacts our world today. I don't know about you, but I get pretty excited about that. But while we are here, he wants us to understand how we can walk in his presence now. 
how we can understand how God works in us and through us so that others may know him. I mean, think about it. All through the history of the Bible, God has been revealing himself. God's been trying to create a people and a place for his presence. When he spoke to Abraham, he said, Abraham, you're going you're gonna to raise up a people through you, and they will be blessed because I will be with them. And that was God's promise to the children of Israel. When we found them in Egypt in bondage and slavery, he manifests himself in power and delivers them. When they were going into the wilderness, not sure what's going to happen, he manifested himself in power at Mount Sinai and gave them the law. And even when they rejected him and they, and they turned away from God, he, he still, the love for them that God has for us now, he gave us his own son. And Jesus came to the earth, and we celebrate that in Christmas while we speak of Emmanuel, which is what? God with us, his presence. And we got to see through Jesus what the Father's like. When you see his miracles, they weren't there to wow us. They were to show us the potential of our God, that he is our healing God. He's our delivering God. He's our personal God. He's our intimate God. And he draws us to himself, that expression of who God is. And then through the death and resurrection of Christ, he, he opened the way. And now you and I stand in this place as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, literally bearers of God's presence. Why? Because now God says we are the temple of his holy spirit god doesn't dwell in this church building he doesn't wave goodbye to us when we leave no we, we 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 have him with us always but yet there's more that god wants us to understand with that because again if i know that the holy spirit dwells in me then why is it so many believers walk as if he's not if we know the Holy Spirit's in us, then, then why do we walk in fear and doubt and we, we get hit by circumstances and we fall back and we fail? Because I, I think it's because we don't understand the manifest presence of God, literally God working in us, God working through us, because we are his people and we are his place of his presence. That's our guarantee. That's our hope. And honestly, that's our story. It's the story of the whole Bible. Here, here's something interesting about the story of the Bible that we get mixed up sometimes. The author of the Bible is also the main character of the Bible. It was written by God. It's about God. But so often in our culture, we think it's about us, that, that we are the main character, that it's all about us. And, and, and I can tell you, it's about God and his glory and his original intent that he would have a people and a place who would be blessed by his presence. So to be a people of presence, understand how it impacts us, we got to change our perspective. we gotta, we got to change our perspective. This may be a secret to somebody, but listen carefully. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross for your life to be better. God, God didn't send his son so you have a little better experience on the earth. No. He sent his son to transform our lives so that the victory over sin and death would take away the fear and all the things that keep us from our God that we may experience God and then be the reflection of his glory. Here, here's another thing you understand. God did not send his own son to die on the cross just to get you to heaven. No. Oh, it's going to be great. But can I tell you, right now, God is looking for a people. He's looking for a place that will say, God, I want your presence. God, I want you to be manifested in my life, through my life. Not just on Sunday, not if they only sing the songs I like, God, but every day, God, because it's more than a feeling. It is the power of God working in us and working through us. Wow, that is the longest introduction I've ever done in my life. Here's why. Three things I want us to get out of this series. Number one, I want us to understand what we mean by the presence of God. Because again, I don't want to have Christian lingo that has no understanding. 
I don't want to have Christianese that we, it's like a secret language among believers when it has no impact on the world. So if I say I'm coming into God's presence, I'm bringing the presence of God with me, but I'm going to experience God in a new way so that as I go from here, he's with me, that I can make an impact in this world. So I want us to know what we mean by the presence of God. I want us also to learn the importance of living daily in his presence. How do we do that? And then to see the impact his presence has on our lives and witness. So, so let's start with basic understanding today. You, you okay with that? Just basic understanding. We're just finally getting to the sermon. Praise God. Whew, I'm already tired. Okay. Three things that God reveals about his presence in the word of God. Number one is what we understand is God's omnipresence. Do we recognize that God is everywhere, always, at all times? Shake, shake your head if you understand that, right? We have the omnipresence of God. You can't escape him. He's everywhere. But we also have the inner presence of God. I referred to it a moment ago. That when we give our lives to Jesus, one of, the, one of the things that changes about us, our sins are forgiven, right, when we surrender our lives to Christ. Our, our, our past is, is renewed, and yet then the most powerful thing is the Holy Spirit of God comes in us. Jesus was among us. Now he said, oh, now I'm in you by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So there's the inner presence of God. And then there's what we call the manifest presence of God, where, where God makes his presence known among us and makes his presence known through us. And that's what we're going to focus on mainly. But look at this omnipresence of God. Psalm 139, give you a verse here so you can see it. Psalm 139, verse 7 says, where can I go from your spirits? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Where is God? He's everywhere. That's both comforting and alarming, isn't it? It's comforting that I'm never alone, but it's, it can be alarming if I'm, if I'm living a life that's displeasing to God. God's everywhere. I can't hide from him. He, he knows us. He sees us, and he loves us. So we see the omnipresence of God. We understand the inner presence of God. 1 Corinthians 6 speaks very clearly this, says, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Wow. Think about that. When you talk badly of yourself, when, you, when you're putting yourself down or you're, you're just not really taking care of yourself or other, can I tell you something? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God says, honor him with these bodies. We only have one shot while we walk this earth, this body, as an expression of God's love to others working through us. So he said, recognize this, so that now, wherever we are, God is with us. We're never alone. We never take on life alone. But there's a difference between knowing that, knowing it here, and experiencing what I call the manifest presence of God is when we engage our faith moment by moment, day by day, and recognize God's activity in our life and God's activity through our life. That's the manifest presence of God. So here's the question we're going to try to answer today. What's the difference between the manifest presence of God and the omnipresence of God? And I'm not to confuse, but I think you'll see it clearly. Listen, we are always in his presence, but how many know there's those moments we're in his presence? We know it. We sense it. We see it. We, we engage in it. You see, go back to the beginning. Go back to Adam and Eve. Here they were walking in the garden. Cool of the day, right? And yet, when they entered into sin, when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, something changed. They were still in God's presence, but something happened, and they became aware of a, of a real active presence of God, and they tried to hide from it. Look at it in verse 8 of Genesis 3. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord, God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now we look at that story and say, How foolish. You can't hide from God. 
He's omnipresent, right? But what they recognized was something that we need to recognize. Yes, he's everywhere, but he was with them. He was there. There was a manifestation of God, and because of their sin, they couldn't go near him. They lost something. They lost that fellowship. They lost that intimacy. They lost the innocence that comes with walking with God. But praise God, even in their sin, what they lost, Jesus came to restore. That you and I today, that we can walk with our God. That we can experience the joy in his presence, that, that clear path of life and the pleasures that eternity brings. God shows us this in his word. See, sin always does this to us, though. Sin always causes us to try to hide from the presence of God. You can't do it. I mean, if you blow it, we, we tend to run from God. But if we really understand God and his love for us, we ought to run to God and say, Father, help us. Because God doesn't condemn us to cast us away. He convicts us to draw us near. And he draws us into his presence. So again, how could they hide if they were just speaking about the omnipresence? Look at Moses. Here's another example, Exodus 33. Here's Moses again. God's saying, I'm going to send you, but I'm not going with you. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. I mean, how could God say my presence won't go with you if he was referring to his omnipresence again god is everywhere but there is a a absolute understanding that god wants to manifest his presence with us and through us that makes all the difference in the world and we need to crave and desire that in our lives let me give you an example maybe a little easier to understand because we're not living in the old testament what if i were to tell you that today i know for a fact there is a multi-billionaire in our midst mel would be seeking him out right now well, I, I can say that he, he is present here. But if in the middle of this message, he got up and started to do what only a multi-billionaire could do, and that would be to go to every one of you and say, here's a check for a million dollars that will not bounce, and, and you can go cash it right now, we would get a little excited, wouldn't we? Come on, let's be real. We'd get very excited. Well, then what would happen is he is now making his presence manifest. You see? The knowledge he's here, he's present, but when he does that which we cannot do for ourselves or through us what we cannot do, he is making himself manifest. And that's the difference, the omnipresence and the manifest presence of God. God wants to make his presence known and do for us and through us what no one else could do. So that is the presence of God. God wants a people and a place of presence. So how do we get there? Not only how do we get there, how do we experience that, but, but let's address a negative side of that before we talk about how we enter in. Is it possible to live as a believer and not experience the manifest presence of God? No one wants to answer. Well, as I see it in God's word and I study this, I think the answer is yes. It is impossible to live outside of the omnipresence of God. He's with us always, but I see in God's word there are circumstances that, that are clear and evident throughout the word, Old and New Testament, that literally cause us to walk with this, this lack of awareness, this lack of benefit of walking in the presence of God. And that explains why you see the joylessness in some. That's why you see the confusion in some. Because again, we, we're walking with the knowledge God is everywhere, but we don't take that moment to say, but God is here. God, I want you to manifest through me. Look at, look at this in the stories again. Back in Genesis, I'm just going to give you qu quick snapshots. In Genesis, there, was a, there were two brothers named Cain and Abel. You may know their story. Cain had a problem. He had an anger problem. God had given a directive to their lives, and he 
didn't receive what he thought he should from God, so he got mad, and he took it out on his brother, and he, he killed his brother, and, and God appears to him and brought judgment in his life. And in Genesis 4, 16, it speaks of Cain this way. It says, so Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Again, he's not escaping the omnipresence of God, but he's walking out of that fellowship, that closeness that God wants. We saw it in the, in the book of Jonah. We studied that last year together, that Jonah, the son of Amittai, in Jonah chapter 1, he, God said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the ferry, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. How did he flee from the Lord? You, you can't. He, he, he can't escape the omnipresence of God, but he didn't want to be near God. He didn't want that manifestation of our Father near him, so he tried to get away. So how do you leave, or how do you walk in a way that's unaware of God's presence? I think through the Word of God, the first thing would be this. When we begin to walk in willful disobedience toward our God, we're walking away from the manifest presence. It doesn't mean God has left us. It just means that we have broke fellowship. We have broken this, this nearness, this awareness, and, and we start taking life on in our own terms because that's what willful disobedience does. Jesus said that, this, uh, that obedience is, is what flows out of our love relationship with him. God said to the children of Israel, I'd rather have obedience than sacrifice. It is a, it is a true expression of our worship to God. So when we, when we see God and we know what he wants us to do, and yet we willfully say, God, you know what? I'm just not doing that. We are limiting ourselves from walking in the manifest presence of God, God working in us and through us. It may, it may be like this. You know, we were praying again in, the, in 21 days, and one of the things we were seeking is, God, just reveal to us, God. Let it be clear to us, God, that our lives are aligning with your word. And it may be that God would speak to us and, and maybe speak to you and say, you know, you come to know Jesus and your sins have been forgiven, but, but maybe you're walking in a relationship that's not pleasing to God and saying, God says, hey, you need to do something about that. You, you need to do something about that. That's not honoring me. And willfully, we can look at God and say, no, I'm going to do it my way, God. I, I'm gonna, I, I can handle it. It's, it's my own business, God. Well, that would be a willful disobedience. That'd be Jonah running from God. That would be Cain not dealing with his anger problem. That'd be Adam and Eve not, not hearing God say, don't eat of the fruit, and yet say, we're going to eat of it anyway. Because what it's doing is saying, I will be my own God, and there's nothing that will drive out the presence of God from your life more than you being your own God. It, it may be in another area. Maybe that God's speaking to your heart about generosity. Maybe God's really moved on you about tithing, and you're like, well, God, I just, I, I just can't, I, don't, I won't do that. I just, I won't willful disobedience it's not about making a mistake we all make mistakes right i want to be very careful here about the obedience and disobedience we all make mistakes the holy spirit convicts us but when we stand and we say god i will not and what we're doing is saying we're well, god we don't want your presence manifest in our lives not only does that hurt the heart of god but we don't even see it it breaks what god has intended from the beginning for us that we would walk in the fullness of his joy We'd walk with the clarity of path of life. And we'd walk with the pleasures that he has for us in eternity. Maybe let me give you another example of this. Because not only is it willful disobedience, but honestly, our obedience is part of our worship. And I want to be very careful through this series. Again, we're going to define worship very carefully. Worship is not just what we did while ago for about 25 minutes. That's part of it. But worship, in the simplest terms, is expressing our love to God. How do we do that? Well, we do it through singing and songs and praise. We also do it through our obedience. We do it by being fully engaged with our God. 
let me ask you a question. Those that are married or, or those that are in a relationship or even a good friendship, do you know the difference of being with someone that's not really there? I mean, you're there, but they're not there. Denise and I were adding it up the other night, and we, we have been together uh, dating and then, then married now 40, 42 years, married 35 of those years. And she can testify. I'm not going to give her a mic because I would you know, protect the innocent. She can testify. There are a lot of times I'm there, but I'm not there. Come on. That's one of those nudge elbow moments. You're like, mm-hmm, honey, that's you. But there are times also I'm aware that she's there and not there. And what I'm mean is this, if I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, then I'm not going to leave God at hope on Sunday and spend the rest of the week like he's not even there. If I love my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I'm going to bring him into every aspect of my life. So when I'm in my house and, and Denise is there with me and all of a sudden I'm just forgetting about her and I'm just doing my own thing, I'm in her presence. She knows I'm physically there, but I'm not there. And she'll talk to me sometimes and I don't hear confessions of a pastor she'll say things later says you remember that right like what did, did you say something you see when we approach god he is our father whose desire from creation was that we would experience his presence but when we engage God in a way that we say to him, your presence doesn't matter and I don't need you in this activity or I don't need you in this place, then God's presence does something. It, 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 we, don't, we don't see it manifest. We, we talked about this this week in Freedom Group. We, we talked about how the difference between the body, the soul, and the spirit and how that if you ever notice that the Holy Spirit, again, we have the temple, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Have you noticed that when you are either just being disobeying God or, or you're not you're not worshiping God, you're not engaging. The Holy Spirit doesn't get loud. He doesn't start shaking you like, what's wrong with you? No, the Holy Spirit gets quiet. And it causes us to realize, man, we, are, we feel like we're walking on our own. We're not because God's presence is everywhere, but we feel like we're walking on our own. Why? Because our disobedience and lack of worship has created this space, just like in a marriage. It's a space to where we know it's not right but we're okay with it until we're not. And I really believe that a lot of this that God has spoken to my heart about this series is that we would not be okay with it. If we love our Lord God the way he said for us to love him, then we would engage him with everything, our heart, our soul, our strength, so that we could be in the same place with him and experience his presence, not just on Sunday, but everywhere we go. Because here's reality. You can be in church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. You can read your Bible day after day after day and still not experience the presence of the Lord. If it's just a religious duty or a function to, to be part of your walk. Are you hearing me this morning, guys? You recognize this? God wants us to experience his presence. It's just like this. I don't want to be in the house with my wife that I love and not enjoy her presence. And in the same way, God is saying, I want you to enjoy my presence day by day because that's what I intended from the beginning. So how do we enter it then? How do we engage God's presence? Let's wrap up with that. We enter his presence uh, first and foremost through salvation. You can't get saved without God's presence. People do not get saved because they had a change of thinking. People get saved because they encounter a holy God that engages their thinking and says, oh my, I, I must have you. I must have you. I surrender my life to you. 
It's God's presence that, that clarifies what it means to be saved. Because now what we have is the Spirit of God living in us, leading us, teaching us, correcting us, loving us, walking with us. Why? Because again, God created a people and a place for His presence. And oh, if you haven't figured this out yet, He wants that for everybody. He said, I would that none would perish. In other words, just wither away by trying to do your life on your own terms. He said, I wish I would that none would perish, but all would come to everlasting life. Experience God's presence. So first, it comes through salvation, that relationship with God. But secondly, I believe we really experience God's presence most when we understand what it means to worship Him. We're going to talk a lot about worship in these next few weeks. Because I believe we're in a day and a culture as a church, in the church, when I say church, all over the world, that is misunderstanding some things about worship. We're chasing superstars and not God. We're wrapped up in how many likes somebody gets to make them our leader versus someone that we see God working in. I mean, let's just be real, church. God, God is the author and the main character of the story. And if anybody else gets in the way of that, it's out of kilter. We've got to be careful with that when it comes to the area of worship. But look at this in Scripture. Psalm 95, come, come. Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Psalm 100, 1 through 2 says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Can I tell you, music and singing is not what makes worship worship, but it's a big part of it. And I think we may be diminishing the power and the strength thereof. So we'll talk about that. But I know when I say that, there are those of you that are, you know what, I, Pastor, I'm just not musically inclined. That is just not my thing. And honestly, that's not the issue. I'm not talking about whether we sing better. What I'm talking about is this, that we learn to enter the presence of the one who is worthy of our praise, not just on Sunday, but every day, that we would walk in the manifest presence of God. Now, I love, I love to express my love to God. I love to sing. I sing loud, I'll be honest. That's why I sit on the front row. Well, one, because I don't be distracted by you coming in during the third song. That's another thing. But it's because I believe what we do here matters. Because I'm not here to perform for you. I'm here to worship my God collectively the body of Christ because I'm going to worship him the rest of the week with you or without you. But I sing loud so much they tell me they hear me through their earphones, which is not a, I know, I know, I'm trying. I heard a, I heard a phrase though that I was funny. I'd never heard this before. Someone said that they know people who are jailhouse singers. I never heard that phrase. What do you mean by that? I'm thinking like spiritually, like Paul and Silas. You know, I'm thinking I'm being very Christian in my thoughts. You're like, no, no, they're jailhouse singers. They're always behind a few bars looking for a key. And that does describe some of you, I have to say, by sitting on the front row, I hear that. But you know what? God said to make a joyful. So come on, keep singing whether you can or not. Amen. <laughs> but we see this. I mean, throughout the Word, God keeps manifesting Himself, His presence, as His people worship Him, both collectively and individually. David in the wilderness. Nobody around. He's singing to God, strumming the harp, praising God. Paul and Silas in prison. 
They're singing to God, and, and God manifests himself with an earthquake, shakes the place, and salvation comes through. And here's what God showed me when I was studying that scripture this week. We always say, oh, it happened because they were singing worship songs. They were singing hymns. That's why it happened. No, it happened because they were worshiping God by being about God's business every day of their lives. They knew God's purpose, they loved God, and they were about God. And so when that took them to the place where they were being in bondage because of that, they began to worship God anyway because we worship God in spite of our circumstances. And God breaks through in a way not only to release them, but bring salvation to the very area they were trying to reach. You see, God manifests himself when we worship because worship's more than singing. It's expressing my love. It's giving myself totally to God and to God's purposes. Now let me ask you, as we close this, can you imagine what would happen if the church of Jesus Christ would understand this? Can, can you imagine what would happen if we really understood we are a reflection of God's presence in the world? Can, can you understand that, that, that Christianity is not being about better, but it's about being transformed? That our focus of our lives is now off us and it's on to the living God that, that when we go into our workplace and God made us with these amazing abilities, have these crazy careers, can, then we walk into that not by our own strength, but by the strength of the Holy Spirit. We go into meetings where we need wisdom. We say, oh, Holy Spirit, speak to us. We go and engage people that are hurting around us. And, and we're like, I don't know how to witness them. And we say, God, help us. And God manifests himself through the love that is in our lives. Let me ask you another question. Can you imagine the impact it would have on, uh, on how we would worship, expressing our love to God, if we would change our perspective and see the impact of God's manifest presence among us? Are we creating an atmosphere when we engage together in worship? Yes. Are we showing a value to God, how we approach even our gatherings? Yes. We say, God, we want your presence. What we're really saying is, Heather, you better bring it today. Please sing the songs I like. Pastor, you better be prayed up. I need to be in God's presence. Listen, we do not bring God's presence to you. We engage with you in God's presence. If we really get it, we all bring God's presence in here. But if we believe that, we would prioritize this a whole lot more than we do. We'd take it a lot more seriously than we do. We'd come in, not with a thought, oh, would they quit singing so we can get to the preaching because I'm here for the word. Can I tell you something? You're not ready for the word until you've engaged God in worship. I'm not ready to bring the word until I've engaged God in worship. We don't sing songs to mark time. We don't sing songs to be cool. We don't make celebrities out of our musicians. No, we've come to do one thing, lift up the name of Jesus and honor the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because according to the word of God, when we do that, guess what happens? He manifests himself through us. And now we can encourage each other. Now we can pray for each other with power. Now those that are far from God can come in and experience the life-transforming power of God. Why? Because we become a people and a place of his presence. We must understand that going forward. And church, understand me clearly. I, I, I'm not joking when I say I'm literally, I was shaking over this thought because this is bigger than just a message series. I think God is bringing a correction in the church. Not just hope. I think the correction is happening around the land that we would see ourselves once again that God created us to be a people and a place of his presence. Not just now, but every day. When I was praying through this, and I'll close with this, God was showing me how that so often, so many of us, 
think we can make it seven days off of one day's worship. This is not a filling station. We don't come to fill you up and hope you got enough gas to make it through the week. No, we need to be filled up every moment of every day. And God began to convict my heart about this because I, I realized back when we were in that time of praying and fasting that I was in a routine. Oh, let's just be honest. I was in a rut. And it was dry. God began to reveal some things in my own heart that just like you, I, I would wake up every day knowing I want to worship God, I want to engage with you, God, but God, look at my calendar, look at my time, I'm busy. God began to convict my heart about what he called drive-by worship. God, I love you, see you. Please catch up with me, I hope you're there. But according to God's word, he has mercies that are new for me, that are new for you every day. And we only engage them we recognize God is with us always. And he will manifest himself in us and through us when we walk in obedience. When we worship him expressing our love day by day. And we engage him in every aspect of what we do. Because your mission every day is to reflect the presence of God. Whether it be at Duke Energy or CMS schools or in a house filled with toddlers. And God says, when you're there, guess what you experience? fullness of joy life that makes sense pleasures forevermore that's the heart of God to us I believe he's just beckoning us as a people saying engage engage because from the very beginning of time God created us to be a people that would know his presence